Today we come to the sixth and final message in our sermon series, Blessed Assurance, the Biblical Promise of Heaven. We've been looking at what the Bible says, what God reveals in His Word about our eternal home in heaven. As we conclude this series, let me, let me say to you, let me just go ahead and tell you as we, as we wrap this series up, I truly believe, and I believe even more than I ever have, I truly believe this is a gospel issue. I believe, and I truly believe it, that what we believe about heaven impacts how we see, impacts how we hold, impacts how we think about the gospel of Jesus Christ. In fact, I believe all of God's Word, the entirety of God's Word, is gospel-focused. Today, there is a push to hold up the centrality of the gospel, but then maybe count other parts of God's Word as somehow secondary, or count other parts of God's Word as as maybe less than or second-rate. Well, listen to me this morning. From Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, and the account of creation... To Revelation chapter 22 verse 21 and the description of heaven and everything in between, I believe all of it pertains to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so understand this morning, if we're going to be gospel driven as an individual, as a church, as homes, as parents, if we're going to be gospel driven, folks, we had better be Bible driven. Do you notice how Satan has attacked the creation account? Do you, do you, do you ever notice that? Do you ever, ever see that? How, how he's headed, it is not logical, that it's not possible, that it's not intelligent to, bring, to believe the, the Bible's account of creation. Do you see how he has attacked the, the creation account? Folks, that is because it is a gospel issue. Do you see today in the last 10 or 15 years how Satan has attacked God's idea, God's truth of heaven? We we now take more cues from a four-year-old's boy's story than we do from God's word. Do you see how he's attacking our idea of heaven? It is because it is a gospel issue. And so as we conclude this look at heaven, I want to tell you I am blown away because all that I see in it is the glory and the grace of the gospel of Jesus Christ. As we've passed through these these verses, we've gone through this study, and I thought, you know what, we're going to have a great study on heaven. It just keeps coming back to a picture of Jesus Christ and his great gospel. Yes, today it is a gospel issue. Today, as we conclude, we're going to come to and we're going to finish with the question that everyone wants to know. We're going to see and we're going to, we're going to find in God's Word the answer to the question that everyone wants to know. And that question is this. So what will it be like to live in heaven? What will it be like to live in heaven? Our message today is entitled, Living in the Glory of God. Living in the Glory of God. We're in Revelation chapter 22 today, verses one through six. Revelation chapter 22 today, verses one through six. I'm going to ask if you would, if you would stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's word. God's word says this. Then he showed me a river of the water of life, clear as crystal, coming from the throne of God and of the lamb in the middle of its street. 
on either side of the river was the tree of life bearing 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. There will no longer be any curse. And the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it. And his bondservants will serve him. They will see his face. And his name will be on their foreheads. And there will no longer be any night. And they will have no need of the light of a lamp nor the light of the sun. Because the Lord God will illumine them. And they will reign forever and ever. And he said to me, these words are faithful and true. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today and I'm thankful for a gracious, kind, and loving God. I'm thankful for a God that made the provision for me to be in eternity in heaven through the cost of his own son, Jesus. I'm thankful for the truth of the gospel that you lay it bare for us from Genesis to Revelation. I'm thankful that by faith in Jesus Christ, a sinner such as I could be saved. Lord, I, I pray that today in this, in this time, in this message, that you would speak to your people. I pray that you would open our ears, that you would open our hearts, that you in this hour would truly speak to your people and may we see you. Lord, I pray for any in this room that do not know Jesus Christ. I pray that today they might be saved. Lord, I pray for us as believers in this room that we would be encouraged today, that we would be drawn closer to you today. We open our hands and we submit this to you. We tell you we love you and we worship you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So far in our study, if you remember, we started in Colossians chapter 3, and the verses there said that we are to set our minds on the things above. Be sure as Christ's followers, we are to live now in light of heaven, and that's what those verses told us. That is why it is important for us to have a biblical understanding, a biblical truth about the reality of heaven. As Christians, we are living now with heaven in view. The Bible says, in fact, it is actually a command of Scripture that we are to live with our eyes fixed upon the eternal, with our eyes fixed on heaven. That's where we started. If you remember then in our study, we went to John chapter 14. We saw there in John chapter 14 that our place there, our actually translation, our spot there, our home there was prepared for us, not with a framer's hammer, but rather with an executioner's hammer. And when Jesus said, for I go to prepare a place for you, he was talking about the cross of Calvary. And so be very sure today, the provision of heaven, the securing of our place there, came to the sacrificial death of Jesus on the brutal cross of Calvary. It is true. The way of the cross does lead home. The way of the cross leads home. Then that next week, we stayed in John chapter 14, And we saw that the only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ. The truth of the gospel is we have not earned it. We cannot. We do not deserve it. We cannot secure it. The truth of the gospel is there are not many ways to heaven. Being a good person is not a way to heaven. There's not actually another way to heaven. It is only by faith 
in Jesus Christ. Now, let me just tell you, that is intolerant, and that may be politically incorrect. That may be offensive to some. For sure, that is exclusive, but it is no less the truth. The hope of heaven comes only through Jesus Christ. Then, the next two weeks, we went to Revelation chapter 21. And there in Revelation chapter 21, God himself paints for us the awesome picture of our eternal home. And I'll just tell you, those, those verses, that was an awesome thing. He, God himself, paints for us, reveals to us the, the picture of our eternal home. If you remember first, we saw the city of God, the new Jerusalem. We saw the city of God in the first six verses. And then in verses 10 through 21, we saw the God of the city. And how amazing it was, how awesome it was that as God reveals the city, as God is describing the city, he is also revealing himself. In every detail, in every word, he is showing himself as the God of that city. Well, today, as we move to chapter 22, as we finish today, we are going to hear we will find the answer to the question, what will it be like to live in heaven? Think about that. What will it be like for you, for me, personally? What will it be like for us to live in heaven? Isn't that the question we really want to know? All of these grand descriptions, all of these awesome details. But don't you want to know what's it going to be like for you to live in heaven? What's it going to be like to actually live in heaven. We're going to let our verses speak to us this morning, and we're going to pass through these verses, and God himself in his word is going to tell us, going to show us what it will be like for you, for me, to live, to reside in heaven. First is this. What will it be like to live in heaven? What will it be like to live in heaven? The first is this. We will live free from death and sickness. Now, now I want you to think about this. I want you to make it personal for you. This is God's word to us. What's it going to be like to live in heaven? We will live free from death and sickness. The first verse says then. Starts off with then. It is a continuation here. Remember the angel has taken John up. And he is seeing this reality. It is not a dream. It is not a vision. But this angel takes John and shows him this reality, shows this reality to him. He has been showing it to him in Revelation 21, and now it continues. And so it is a continuation. Then, then he showed me a river. So see this. Then he showed me a river. There is a river. Now, most great cities, in fact, many of the great ancient cities were built on rivers. That would be a normal thing. The river was the source of water. The river was a source of provision. And so the, the Bible says, and then he shows me a river, and it says, of the water of life. A river of the water of life. Now, what is, what is that talking about? Listen to John chapter 4, verses 13 and 14. It says this. And Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. 
But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. But the water that I give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. And then in Revelation chapter 22, verse 17, the same chapter, it says this. And the spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who wishes take the water of life without cost. Understand, there is a river, and he sees the river, but it is no, under, no ordinary river. It is no ordinary water. This is the water that gives, this is the water that brings eternal life. The description goes on. He sees a river of the water of life, clear as crystal. You ever seen water somewhere and it sparkles, it's so clean. Maybe it's in Colorado somewhere and it, and it actually shines and it glimmers as, as it moves along the stream. Clear as crystal, it means, it means the water of life, it is pure. The water of life, it is pristine, it is undefiled and it, and it sparkles and it glistens and it glimmers as it flows by. The water of life clear as crystal and it says coming from the throne of God and the Lamb. Now see the picture here. See it as it's developing. Rivers flow. That's what, that's what rivers do. Rivers flow. And this river, it's flowing as well. And the source of this river, the Bible says, God reveals, is the throne of God and the Lamb. And so he sees a river, and it's a river of the water of life, and it's, and it's crystal clear, and it shines. And, and he says there that the source of the river is the throne of God and the Lamb. At the start of verse 2, it says this river is in the middle of the street. Get this. John sees a river, and the water is life eternal, and it is flowing, it is flowing out of the throne there in the midst of the street. Now it continues on in verse two, listen. On either side of the river was the tree of life, bearing 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree were for the, healings of the, the healing of the nations. It continues on and it says, on either side of the river was the tree of life. Now, it's not talking about a single tree. It's on both sides of the river. It's talking about a type of tree. It's talking about the kind of tree that it is, the tree of life. And so there is a river, and on each side of the river, there are groves of the tree of life. And it says that each of those, each of those groves, those trees, is bearing its fruit. And so on each side of the river of life, here's the tree of life, and these trees are bearing their fruit. Twelve kinds of fruit. Twelve kinds of fruit. We're not sure what those kinds of fruit are, but it is a multitude of fruit. And it says it's bearing them every month. Now think with me here. There is no time there. The Bible says that. The markers of time are gone. There is no time there. And so what this is saying here is that they bear their fruit continually. Not just in one month do they bear their fruit, but in all months do they bear their fruit. Not just in one season do they bear their fruit, but in all seasons they bear their fruit. 
These trees, they produce 12 kinds of fruit, and it is a continual crop. And so see the picture. There is a river, and it is flowing, and it continues to flow, and it is flowing, and the source is the throne of God. And there are trees, and they are producing. There are trees, and they are bearing. And it says, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Now, the word nations here in the Greek is the word ethnon. It means peoples or people. And so the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the people, for the healing of the peoples. Healing here, and this is very interesting, comes from a Greek word, therapia. It is where we get our word therapy or therapeutic. It literally translates... Health giving, health giving. Now see this, not for sickness. We're gonna see there's not gonna be any sickness. It's not for sickness, but for the giving of health. And, and, and so the fruit gives life and the leaves give better health. And that's the, the trees on each side of the river. The, the river comes and it is a source of eternal life. And then on each side of the river, there are trees producing their fruit and they give eternal life and the leaves of the tree give better health. The last time this tree was seen, the last time this tree was accessible was in the Garden of Eden. You're not going to find this tree somewhere in a book, in a picture and description of trees. The last time that this tree was observed was in the Garden of Eden there in Genesis chapter 3. And in the garden, they could eat of it. Did you know that? They, they could eat of the tree of life. They could, they could eat of it. It was theirs to eat, and if they ate from it, it would give them eternal life. It was theirs to eat until... They ate of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. They could eat from the tree of life until they sinned. And then God says in Genesis chapter 3, verses 22 and 23, that God sent them out of the garden, lest they now eat of the tree and live forever. You see, now that they had sinned, had they eaten of the tree of life, they would have lived eternally in their sin. But I want you to see the picture here. See all of this. Now free from sin. Now in heaven eternal. There is a river of life whose source is the throne of God. Whose source is God himself and the lamb. And there are trees of life. And they're bearing fruit. And they're bearing fruit. More fruit than we could ever eat. Even the leaves add to our health. And there is no death. And there is no sickness there. What's it going to be like in heaven? Listen. I've stood in the hospital rooms. Oh, I've stood in the hospital rooms. I've, I've stood there in the chemo room. I've stood there with the vomit bucket. I've stood there when folks drew their last breath. I've stood there at the grave's end and I've seen the, the perils of death and the perils, the dangers, the, the hurt of sickness. Oh, but listen, that won't be our fate any longer. There's no death and there's no sickness and life flows from the throne of God absent from sin. What's it like to live in heaven? That's what it's like to live in heaven. Praise God. That's what it's like to live in heaven. What's it going to be like? 
Woo, life eternal flows from the throne. No more sickness, no more death. Second, what's it like to live in heaven? We will live free from the curse. We will live free from the curse. The first part of verse three says this. And there will no longer be any curse. Now, I, I want you to understand those are awesome words. Believer in Jesus Christ, there, those, are, those are awesome words. There will no longer be any curse. Curse, this word in the Greek, this form, is found one time in the New Testament, right here. The form of this Greek word is not found anywhere in secular writings. It means this. It literally translates this. An oath which commits something to destruction. And there will no longer be any curse. It means an oath which commits something to destruction. Now I want you to listen. The curse came not from Satan. And we'd like to blame him for it. The curse doesn't come from Satan. The curse comes from God. The curse comes from our holy God. Understand, he applies the curse. Why is this a gospel issue today? It is because only God can apply the curse. And in our sin, understand, we are accursed. In our sin, we are cursed of God. That is the truth of the gospel. We try to smooth that out. We try to make that appealing. Listen, the truth of the gospel is in our sin, we are cursed of God. Under that curse, we suffer pain. We suffer loss. We suffer hardship. We toil. Under that curse, our, our kids are born through tears. Under that curse, we're, we're committed to destruction and death is our end. And listen to me, it is righteous, it is deserved, it is earned on our part. And the truth of the gospel is, as sinners, we are cursed of God. Why is it a gospel issue? Friend, oh dear friend, why is it a gospel issue? It is because only God can lift the curse. The Bible says that Jesus comes and he becomes a curse on our behalf. He takes the payment for our sin. He takes the punishment for sin. He takes the wrath of God towards sin. And then with his settled, God is able to say in great grace, he's able to say in great mercy, he's able to de declare throughout the halls of eternity, there is no longer any curse. There's no longer any curse. What's it going to be like to live in heaven? There's not going to be a curse. What's it like to live in heaven? Third thing, we will live in the will of God. Now I want you to think about that. Maybe that doesn't sound like too big of a deal. Maybe that doesn't sound like that big of a thing. Listen, in heaven, we will live in the will of God. Verse 3. There will no longer be any curse. And the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it. And his bondservants will serve him. Now see this. There's only one throne. Notice there in the verse, there's not two thrones. There's one throne. Here's the throne of God. 
and the Lamb. There's only one throne, but it's the throne of God and the Lamb. God the Father and Jesus the, the Lamb, they are seated on the throne. See the picture here. Jesus is seated on the throne. Now, I love this. John sees here, he sees what's going on here. He sees this reality, and the king of kings is on the throne. That means that he shares the rule with the father. He shares the authority of the father. He shares the sovereign power of the father. Now, notice this, and it's, it's, I love this even more. God uses the title here, Lamb. This is very awesome. He uses the title here, Lamb. And the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it. He could have chosen any name for Christ. And he says the throne of the Lamb will be in it. You see, it was the Lamb who submitted. It was the Lamb who humbled himself. Taking the form of a bond servant, humbled himself to the point of death, even death on a cross. It was the Lamb who humbled himself. It was the lamb who was silent like a sheep before his shears go. It was the lamb who stood there and he was silent. It was the lamb who was mocked. It was the lamb who was belittled. It was the lamb who was slain and his blood ran out. It was the lamb of God whose blood ran out. It was the lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. It was the precious lamb. Do you understand it was the lamb? And God doesn't forget his lamb. And now he tells us the lamb is seated on the throne and he reigns in power. He doesn't forget his lamb. Praise God. Then it says this. And his bondservants will serve him. There will no longer be any curse in the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it. And his bondservants will serve him. Now, what does that mean? In heaven, we will carry out the perfect will of God. We will not distort it. We'll not pretend to not hear part of it. We will not rebel against it and disobey it. We will live carrying out the perfect will of God. Let me tell you something. As a believer, living out of the will of God is terrible. Living out of the will of God is stressful. Living out of the will of God is, is hurtful. It's a, it's a hard thing to be found living out of the will of God. We're dumb. We're dumb and we do it anyway. But living out of the will of God, it, it causes anxiety, it causes hurt. But in heaven, God the Father and the Lamb will rule and we will perfectly serve him. Now can't you breathe when you hear that? Can't you catch a breath when you hear that? Never again out of the will of God. I won't rebel any longer. If you find me, it'll be in the perfect will of God. Doesn't that make you smile? Oh, no more rebellion. If you find me, I'm going to be walking in the perfect will of God. That's what it's like to live in heaven. What's it going to be like to live in heaven? We will live in the presence of God. We will live in the presence of God. Verse 4. They will see his face. 
and his name will be on their foreheads. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. Matthew 5, 8 says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. I want you to go back with me and see a picture. There in the perfectness of the garden, man sins. In the perfect environment, in the perfect relationship with the holy God, man sins. He knowingly sins. He chooses to disobey. He rebels against the God who created him. He rebels against the God who loved him. He sins against the God who cherished him, who cherished spending time with him. He rebels against the God who wanted to be known by him and to know him. He rebels against that God as God that loved him and created him. Maybe the saddest verses in the Bible. Genesis chapter three, verse eight. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. A sound that once brought joy. Oh, our God is coming. I hear his steps. Oh, our God is coming. Oh, what joy, what happiness. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And verse 10 says, Adam said, for I was afraid so I hid myself. They've rejected God's love. The relationship is broken. By the hand of man, it's now broken. The friendship is now ended by the doing of man. And man hides himself. It's never been the same. He hides himself until verse four. And they will see his face. And they will see his face. The shame is gone. The hurt is gone. And they see his face. And it says, and his name will be on their forehead. It's a sign of identity, who you belong to. It's also a sign of provision and a sign of protection. I'm under the care of that one. What's it going to be like in heaven? Listen to me. This is what it's going to be like. We're going to live in a restored fellowship with our great God. We're going to live in relationship with our God, and he's going to tend to us, and we're going to love him, and we're going to know him. Oh, that's what it's going to be like to live in heaven. We're going to see God. We're going to live in his presence with a relationship restored. Praise God. I read all of this, and it really seems pretty lofty, doesn't it? Really seems pretty astounding as I as I try to take it in. There's the stones, and there's the there's the description, there's all the great colors, there's the gates of pearl, there's a river of life. And I wonder when will it all seem real? I read that, it doesn't really seem real. That sounds like something awesome, doesn't seem real. When's it really gonna seem real? I think it's when I see his face. Actually look into his face. and See the grace in his face. See the kindness in his face for a son. See, see the love in his eyes. 
think it's going to be when we see his face. What's it going to be like to live in heaven? We will live in the glory of God. We will live in the glory of God. Now, this may be the hardest one for us to grasp. It may be the hardest one for us to get our heads around, but it's going to be awesome to try. We are going to live in the glory of God. Look at verse 5. And there will no longer be any night, and they will not have need of the light of a lamp, nor the light of the sun, because the Lord God will illumine them. Understand this. And this is not pie in the sky. This is, this is the description. It will never be dark there. There will be no shadow of darkness there. Not going to be a sun. Not going to be a moon. Not going to have need of them. Not going to have need of a, of a lamp. Because the Lord God will illumine them. The Greek word for illumine means to light up. He's going to light up them. In, in chapter 21 and Verse 23, it says, the glory of God will illumine it. Talking about the city. Well, now understand it says, the glory of God is gonna illumine us. It's gonna line us up. Now, I touched on it two weeks ago, but, but what that means is the radiance of God, the, the glory of the totality of God, the infinite, un, un, unmistakable, ununderstandable holiness of God, the full power of God, the, the, the love of God, the infinite righteousness of God, the sum of who he is will radiate and we will walk around in the glory of God. We will live in the glory of God and where darkness used to hide and where sin used to darken, we for eternity will live in the glory of God and it will illumine us. What's it going to be like to live in heaven? The glory of God's going to illumine us and we will walk in the glory of God. I'm excited about that because you're going to see me in a different light. You're going to see me and I'm going to see you in the glory of God. Makes me smile already. We will walk around in the glory of God. Last, what's it like to live in heaven? Don't miss this. It's just a couple words. Do not miss this. What's it like to live in heaven? Do not miss this. We will live reigning with him. We will live reigning with him. The last of verse five. I'm gonna read all of verse five. And there will no longer be any night, and they will have no need of the lamp of a light, of the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, because the Lord God will illumine them. Now listen to this, and they will reign forever and ever, and they will reign forever and ever. It means this. See this. All of this has been about Him. Do you, do you see that? Surely we see that all, all of this is about him. All of heaven's about him. Every word of it's about him. Every detail of it's about him. He is the king of glory, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the Lord God almighty. It's all about him. Do you see it? Even the smallest stones, even the gates of pearl, it's all about him. But in his grace, and in his kindness, 
And in his love, he makes it about us. We're sinners. We're runt of our own choosing. We're shameful. We're guilty. But in the redeeming, cleansing, restoration of Jesus Christ, he gives us a new position. This last little phrase here means this. We do not come into heaven as an outcast. I might need to. We do not come into heaven as some person that has to slip in the back door and hide somewhere in the back. Oh, we know your past. We're not coming into into heaven as second rate. But he takes his power and his grace and his glory and he makes us co-heirs with Jesus, adopted sons and daughters of the king and we reign with Christ forever and ever and ever. And that's our God. And that's what it's like to live in heaven. Verse six says this. And he said to me, these words are faithful and true. Listen to me today, friends. This this is our hope. This is our hope. Friend, it's, it's not some false hope. It's not some trumped up hope. It's not some blind hope. No, these are the words of God. This is our hope, yes, but this is the word of God. And he says, my words are faithful and my words are true. And as sure as we read it today, this is our reality in Jesus Christ. Do you see this? It's all about Jesus. It's all about the lamb. What went wrong in the garden is right in heaven and it happens through the lamb, Jesus. Here's the question. Do you know him? Have you trusted him? See, we don't have to wait for eternity to know Jesus Christ. The truth of the gospel, the the truth of the message from Genesis to Revelation is this, he loves you. He loves you so much that he prepares this end for you, the cost of his own son. He restores a relationship with you at the cost of the blood of his own son. That's the good news of the gospel. Do you know him today? In grace, he offers you salvation this very day. Do you know Jesus today? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come today, we're thankful. I am so thankful that we have the words that are faithful and true. The words point us to our eternal home, our heavenly home, but more than that, the words that are faithful and true point us to you, Lord, our King, Jesus. Lord, I pray for some in this room that do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I pray that today, that on this day, they'd set their pride down. They'd set their arrogance down. They'd set their hurt down. They would set their rebellion down. They would open their hands and they would follow you as king, as Lord, as Savior. Lord, work in their hearts. Lord, I pray for us here that are believers. I tell you, I'm so thankful that this is our end, that this is our hope, that this is your promise and it's secured through Christ. I pray that we would be encouraged that I would. I pray we'd be faithful to share the good news of this gospel. 
And I pray that as you've prepared a place, that that place will be full to the glory of the Lamb. We love you. We praise you. We worship you. We thank you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen.